We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with my co-host, Robin Jones-Gunn. And we're excited to bring you another Woman Worth Knowing. And this woman that I am going to be talking about today, I never heard of before. And I, she was sent in by a reader and they said, we want Lillian Trasher. And I'm like, what a name. So <laughs> I started researching, ordered a couple books that I read on her. And I found out that there was a movie on her that was made in 1956. Really? And it's called Mother of the Nile. So, of course, I went really? on the... Um, internet and found it on Vimeo and there she was and I had already fallen in love with her because of the book but the books I had read but then when I saw her in this movie it's the cutest thing it's just precious it's just absolutely That's amazing I had never precious. heard of her either nope so she was born September 27th 1887 in Jacksonville Florida and interestingly enough her parents had come from a well-to-do Quaker family in Boston but the family fell on hard times, migrated to Florida, and converted to Roman Catholicism. So Lillian's mother had formerly attended finishing school in Europe, and they had been good friends with the Stowe's. I believe it because the plantation that Harriet bought after the Civil War was just south of Jacksonville, Florida. Well, there you go. So there yeah. you are. It's, yep, all in that same influence. Right, but her now, that was like her grandparents, but her parents, mm-hmm. um, they they wanted to be kind of irreligious. So that's why they converted. So they moved her to Brunswick, um, Georgia, which is just right on the border of Florida, South Florida. I mean, sorry, on the border of Georgia and Florida. So it's just right there. And uh, they lived on this canal. And her parents... Um, she remembered something about going to Mass when she was little, but she didn't really understand it. And then when they moved to Brunswick, there was no Catholic church, so they didn't do anything. But there were these neighbors called the Masons, and it was Anna and Ed Mason, and they had this daughter named Jerdy. And Jerdy became Lillian's best friend, and they loved to ride horses together and do exploration on this canal and they lived kind of in a very rural area so they they could have all these adventures together but Anna Mason was always singing and she you know she was a hard worker she uh, did laundry for other people but just always happy and one day Anna Mason started sharing with Lillian and Lillian's nine years old all about how Jesus loves her Mm. and Lillian had never heard anything like this even though she had this Roman Catholic background and then the Quaker background beyond that had never heard this and so um, Anna explained how she could become a Christian so what happened with Lillian is she decided she wanted to be a Christian and so she ran into the forest and she found a fallen tree and she got on her knees and she prayed Lord I want to be your girl. If ever I can do anything for you, just let me know and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And even though that's such a simple nine-year-old prayer, that became kind of a mantra in her life that she would keep praying that prayer. Lillian kept a journal starting even when she was a little girl. And this was the prayer that she wrote in it and she never forgot. Um, Ed Mason invited her over on Wednesday nights. They would have a prayer meeting and Bible study. She loved it. From the time she was nine, she 
loved it. That was the only church she had was at the Mason's house. And she talked a Methodist, a Wesleyan Methodist uh, pastor into baptizing her because she wasn't (laughs) Methodist and she wasn't Wesleyan. So she had to talk him into it. And she's a kid and her parents aren't into this. And she's like, please, please. So in the canal in front of her house, he baptized her. Love it. So when she became a teenager, her family moved to Asheville, North Carolina. And Jenny grew into a beautiful young woman, but she grew to be six feet tall, which is interesting because so many of the women we talk about are so demure. And here's Lillian. She's six feet tall and she's stunning. I've seen pictures of her and she is stunningly beautiful. She has um, dark hair, big blue eyes, and she was really stunning. But she also was able to sketch and she loved to sketch and she loved to uh, capture nature in real life in her sketches and her parents her mother had been educated so her mother wanted her to seek her career her sister was a stenographer her sister was nine to ten years older than she was and her sister had become a stenographer moved to long beach california hmm. and um bought a house in long beach on the beach and then bought another house to rent out. Very successful as a stenographer. And what was in California at that time? I know. That was really going It west. was rugged. It was wow. very rugged because this is just the turn of the century that, right. that she's there. So Lillian um, seeks a job. She hears that the Georgian in Atlanta, Georgia, is looking for a sketch artist. And so she takes her 12 best sketches and she gets on a train and her parents see her off and her parents are just like, great, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I mean, they there doesn't seem to be any closeness or tie with their, their girls at all. Mm. So they wave goodbye to her thinking she's going to have this successful career in Georgia. And so on the way to Georgia, she stops in Brunswick and she wants to see the Masons, her friend Jerdy and Anna and Ed Mason, and they pray for her. And Anna prays that the Lord's will will be done. You know, I just we just want the Lord's will. She's like, well, I want to be the sketch artist. This is, you know, I'll support myself. Maybe I'll buy a house like my sister. And Anna's like, well, we want the Lord's will. And maybe the Lord has something else. So she gets on the train and she meets this woman named Maddie Perry. And Maddie Perry has an orphanage in Marion, North Carolina. And she has a Bible on her lap and she looks at Lillian and she says, you know, where are you going? And Lillian says, oh, I'm on my way to Atlanta. I hope to be a sketch artist. And she starts explaining everything. And Marion said, well, young woman, I don't believe anything happens by chance. And I'm a Christian, and you're a Christian, and I think you're supposed to come work at my orphanage with me. And she's like, well, thank you very much. You know, (laughs) I I don't know about that because I don't really have experience with children, and I don't have a um, really like any inclination that way. I'm a sketch artist, and, you know, I'm going to go and do my sketches. So Marion writes down her address and says, if for any reason you decide, I can't pay you, but I can give you food and board and you can work hard. Um, you decide to come and work with me <laughs> what at the an orphanage. Offer. <laughs> I know. Um, just come. So Lillian says yes. And she really did think um, Maddie Perry was a wonderful woman, very, very kind. And she liked her, but she didn't think that would happen. So she goes to the Georgian and she shows Mr. Howard her sketches and he 
is very, very impressed, but he's not feeling very well. So he said, will you come back in three days because there are more interviews that I need to do? So she says, all right. So she leaves her sketches with him. And in three days, she goes back and it's the assistant um, at the Georgian and Mr. Howard is sick. And so he says, you know what? Mr. Howard said he found the perfect person. The job is taken. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's life. And she is just devastated because this is really where she saw her life going. So she said, can I have my sketches back? Well, the assistant can't find the sketches anywhere because Mr. Howard has his own system. So he says, just come back in a week or two when he's better. So Lillian just travels around Georgia, just seeing all the sights of Georgia. And then she goes back to the office two weeks later to get her sketch. And Mr. Howard sees her and he gives her the meanest look when he sees her. And he says, why didn't you come back sooner? And she said, well, I did. I came back in three days like you told me to. But your assistant said you had already found the perfect person. And he says, that perfect person was you. But I had no way to get in touch with you. So she collects her sketches. Somebody else got the job. And she doesn't have any other recourse. Her parents really don't want her back. So she goes to Marion and she works at Elhanan um, Orphanage. And the name Elhanan means um, gift of God or the unique gift of God. In other words, the special gift of God, um, kind of signifying that every orphan is a gift of God and precious. And it also is one of David's mighty men who took down um, some of the Philistine giants. That's interesting. So that's why they choose this name. It's also often called Faith Orphanage, which sometimes is uh, the name that it's referred to in Marion, because the people of Marion weren't really sure what Elhanan meant, you know, and it's, you know, Hebrew, so they're kind of like, what, what is she doing there? <laughs> Interesting, though, because if you look at Marion, North Carolina, one of the things that they tell you about their history is Faith Orphanage with Maddie Perry. Um, Maddie Perry also was a Wesleyan pastor, which I find very interesting. Yes. So Lillian. um, Definitely a divine encounter on that train. Well, she works for five years at El Hanan Orphanage. And there she learns lessons of faith because she never has any money. In fact, at one point, her shoes wear out and her parents aren't very happy with her doing it. But they'll send a little bit of support every once in a while, as will Jenny, because they're like, our poor daughter, our poor sister, you know, what is she doing with her life? She she could have a career in sketching and she's working at an orphanage. And they see it as a waste, right? They they didn't they converted. They they were getting away from that Quaker background of just giving to mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. And here's Jenny. So she prays and they get a box of old clothes, donated clothes, and she finds in there a pair of lightly used men's shoes that fit her perfectly. Remember, she's six feet tall. Yes. So these men's shoes, Aww. so she starts wearing them. So Miss um, Perry is like, what are you doing? And she said, look, I prayed and this was God's answer and I'm wearing them. Um, so at the same time, Miss Perry also started a Bible college. So she not only had this orphanage, but she was educating the orphans. And she also started a Bible college and some of it by correspondence. And she had a brother who was an evangelist. And her brother 
And the sister-in-law, they really took to Lillian and they said, come with us. We'll teach you to preach. So Lillian did a year of Bible college. And then on weekends, sometimes when she was free, she would travel with them to these different little rural towns. And she would also preach and share the gospel. And she loved sharing about Jesus. She just thought that was the greatest thing. But on one of those travels, she met this um, pastor whose name was Tom Jordan. And they smiled at each other, and she felt an immediate attraction to Tom Jordan. So they were at a picnic, a church picnic, where all these other churches would gather together because that's what they did. They would have like one large revival meeting where they would call all the churches mm-hmm. together. And there, what they did is they began to auction off lunches. And if you bought that person's picnic lunch, then you could have lunch with them. So her lunch came up, and Tom outbid Everybody. I mean, he spent his <laughs> whole great. paycheck on that lunch <laughs> and he got to sit down and eat with Lillian. Well, they found out and they realized very soon that they were in love. They just had the same interests and um, they loved to talk about Jesus. And so he asked her to marry them and they set a wedding date for June um, of 1910. And uh, Tom Jordan's mother had all this silk that she bought and she gave it to Lillian because Lillian, by this time of working in the orphanage, she also learned to sew. So she made herself this beautiful wedding dress and everything was all set. Tom was the man of her dreams, a godly man. And the Perrys invited her to go hear this missionary speak. And this missionary was from India. And as she was sitting there listening to the man speak, she began to sob. Because she remembered that prayer by the log. Lord, I want to be your girl. Oh, wow. And if I can ever do anything for you, mm-hmm. you just let me know and I'll do it. And she realized, I can't marry Tom. Oh, He's a wow. wonderful man, but unless he has a call on his life, I, I can't marry him. And she realized, even though the missionary is from India, she realizes the Lord speaks to her and says, you're called to Africa. And she's like, Africa. I'm called to Africa. And she didn't even know where in Africa. She just knew she was called to Africa. Now, this is 1910, and she knows she's called to Africa, right? It's incredible. Right. It's it's oh. kind of like this crazy thing. So she goes back and she tells Miss Perry, I can't marry Tom. I'm called to be a missionary in Africa. And Maddie says, well, honey, let's, let me pray for you. So they just pray for her. So she has this meeting with Tom. And she says, I've got to talk to you. She said, do you feel any call to the mission field? Would you like to go overseas? And he says, no, I know I'm called here. I mm. I don't want to go overseas at all. And she said, then I can't marry you. This is 10 days before they're supposed to get married. So she wow. breaks it off 10 days. And so she hears about a holiness conference in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's going to cost $18. Well, she happens to have $18 and she puts it in a secret place on Miss Perry's desk just so it she won't spend it. She won't be tempted to spend it because that's the train fare she needs to get to Pittsburgh. So she's all ready to go to Pittsburgh. She goes to get the money to buy her ticket and finds out that Miss Perry's sister found the money and was so blessed and spent it on food for the orphanage. So now she only has $10. That's what she has. That was going to be her food money. And she said, well, you know, how much, you know, how far can I get with $10? And she realizes that she can go to Washington, D.C. Well, 
Maddie Perry feels terrible about this. And she says, look, you go to Washington. Here's a contact number that you can stay and I'll send you the money. And as soon as you get the money, then you can go on to Pittsburgh. So she goes to Washington, D.C. to this contact. And the woman um, is very excited. And she said, but honey, I don't have any room for you. I've got these visiting missionaries. But why don't you stay for dinner? So as they're sitting at the table, she begins to talk to Reverend Bres- Breslford and his wife and their missionaries in Let me guess. Egypt. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Egypt is the northern yes. tip of Africa. <laughs> and he begins just talking about what they're doing at Glad Tidings Mission House in um, Egypt. It was not Glad Tidings. It was something else. I can't remember right now. I'll get there. Anyway, <laughs> she just, she's enthralled and she decides that's where she, she wants to go there. But when he asks her, so what are you going to do with your life? She says, I'm going to Africa and I'm going to be a missionary. The Lord has shown me. And he says, and how much money do you have? I don't have any money. Well, what missionary school did you go to? Well, I went to one year of Bible college and then I did correspondence. And he says, you're crazy. Absolutely not. What are you thinking? And he just, in front of all the guests at the table, he humiliates her. Oh, it's wow. it's pretty rough. And there's a young lady there who's also a missionary, and she feels bad about how rough he was on her. So she says to Lillian, you can sleep in my bed tonight. So I have some other friends I can go stay with. So she stays at that house. And the next morning at breakfast, you know, Mr. Reverend Brelsford comes in and, you know, she just puts her head down and she's going to be really quiet. And he said, my wife and I talked all night and the Holy Spirit convicted us. And I am so sorry. You're supposed to go to Egypt. And not only are you supposed to go to Africa, you're supposed to go to Egypt and you're supposed to work with us. And we're in um, Aswet and you can go to Aswet, Egypt, and we can't pay you, but we can give you room and board and and work. And she says, great. I'll see you soon. I'm just going to make my way to this conference. So the money arrives. doesn't that just show her love and devotion for the Lord that she could not hold a grudge or be feeling sorry for herself? Yes. Just go, okay. Well, she took everything as this must be the Lord. You know, I met this woman. I didn't get this job. All right, Lord, I'm your girl. She just has an uncluttered heart. And what she would say all the time is, I'm your girl. Yes. I'm your girl. You're in charge of me. so good. I'm your girl. Yeah. So... She ends up going to Pittsburgh, loves the conference. The money arrives from um, Marion Perry. I'm sorry, Miss from Marion, North Carolina, Miss Perry. And she's able to go to the conference in Pittsburgh. She absolutely loves the conference. And from there, she decides she needs to go to New York City um, because that's where she'll catch the boat to get to Egypt. So she's there and she's told people about what she's going to do. And so far, she's collected $40. And so she goes and stays at Glad Tidings Mission in New York City. And she preaches for them. She cleans for them. She goes out evangelizing. Whatever they needed, she just did. But again, she only has $40. So she takes that $40 and she goes to the travel agency and she puts it, she reserves it for a ticket on a boat that's leaving in September for, um, or sorry, leaving in October for Egypt. So she wants to write her sister a letter and tell her what she's doing and all the changes. And so she writes the letter, but she doesn't have a stamp and she couldn't afford a stamp to go all the way to California. And she happens to be in the mission. She looks down and there's a stamp, an unclaimed, unused stamp. So she picks it up and she asks everybody in the mission house, is this your stamp? It doesn't belong to anybody. 
And one of the other ladies there said, well, Lillian, the Lord gave you that stamp. So she puts it on the letter and she sends it to her sister. Well, Jenny just says, oh, what is my little sister doing now? And decides to rent out both her houses in Long Beach and take the train all the way to New York and sail with her sister uh, to Egypt because she's got to take yes, care of this yes. little sister. <laughs> this little sister who's like six inches taller than she is. She's got to take care of it. So the two sisters, they, they, um, they're ready to go. And now um, she, Lillian doesn't know how to tell her sister when she arrives that she doesn't have enough money for the boat, that she's only paid $40 towards her ticket because now her sister's already, you know, spending all her money, renting out her house. And so she begins to pray like, Lord, I need money. So one day she's all alone at the mission house and there's a knock at the door and nobody else can answer the door. So she goes and there's this this um, young girl and she said, are, are you the one who's who's going to Egypt to to work at Glad Tidings? And she said, well, yeah, that's what I want to do. She's And so immediately the girl lays hands on her and begins to pray for her. And she prays this precious prayer, kind of nervously, but prays, you know, really fervently. And then she grabs Lillian's hand, puts something in it, and goes running off like a little rabbit, like a scared rabbit. And Lillian looks, and it's $60. It's enough for the ticket. Of course. So that's she beautiful. goes and she pays her ticket. And so by the time her sister's there, Jenny arrives, the tickets are paid for. So they get on the SS Berlin. And while they're on the ship, they meet these other Christians. And these Christians said, well, what promise do you have from the Lord? And she said, well, I don't have a promise. And they said, oh, honey, you need a promise from the Lord. Just get your Bible, get alone, and just open your Bible and the Lord will give you a promise. So she randomly, like Bible roulette, just takes her Bible, prays over it, <laughs> opens it up, and she's at Acts 7.34. And this is it. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. And I will she, send you to Egypt. Yes. She That's goes out. incredible. I know. She goes out and she says, I've got my promise. And they're like, randomly? I mean, everyone's just shocked. Wow. And especially Jenny. Because remember, Jenny's not a believer. Yeah. Jenny's watching this from afar, kind of deciding, you know. And probably came to kind of rescue her sister when it all exactly. falls apart and come to Long Beach with me. And Right. Wow. So one month and two days later, two weeks later, one month, two weeks, they land in Alexandria. And it's one month, two days. They reach Alexandria. And immediately, Lillian's like, oh, it's beautiful. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, look, she's just entranced with everything. And her sister, Jenny's like, oh, this is so dirty. Oh, this is such ma'am. Oh, my goodness. What have we done? And they get off the ship and they hear this um, young boy saying, Lillian Thrasher, Lillian Thrasher. And they look and it's this young Egyptian boy. And they come to him and he says, I am Camille. I am your guide. I am taking you to Aswit, to the Glad Tidings mission. So he uh, puts them on this carriage and they ride through this horse-drawn carriage um, through Alexandria. And again, Lillian is just mesmerized. I mean, she loves it. It's love at first sight. She just loves everything about Egypt. She's asking all sorts of questions. Then they get to this crowded train, and the train is just crowded. It's They can barely get a seat, and it's just wall-to-wall people. And Marion's like, 
I mean, Lillian says, "This is so exciting! Isn't this wonderful?" And Jenny's like, "Germs, people, crowds. What am I doing here?" And as they're going along, she's looking out the window because they're traveling along the Nile, and she sees these little mud huts every place, and she's like, "What is that?" And Camille says, "Oh, that that those are the huts of the." And the felon are the farmers of Egypt, and they live in these mud huts, and they don't have any money, and they keep the mud huts because that keeps them cool in the winter, and they make the bricks themselves, and they live in there with their children, and with their animals, and everything they have is in there. And then she sees the men plowing, and they don't have an ox, and they don't have a horse. They're doing it with this plow that they do themselves dragging it behind them and she's just fascinated and immediately she has a heart for these farmers she just wants to meet them and to know them so they finally get to glad tidings mission um i'm sorry apostolic faith mission i've got to remember my name's apostolic faith mission so now the glad tidings was in new york new york and then in egypt apostolic faith mission okay in aswit Egypt. Egypt. Got it. And they finally get there. Now, Aswet, the interesting thing about Aswet is it had then and it has today the highest Christian population in Egypt. About 50% of the people in Aswet are Christians, Coptic Christians. How? Um, Who had been there before or who started the mission to? I'm not quite sure. I think it was uh, believers that fled from Alexandria. But Uh these Coptic Christians have, it's, it's considered the... Like really ancient roots Mm -hmm. in their faith going generation to generation. Right, right. Okay. Right. That's fascinating. And so, um, but the Muslims and the Christians in Aswit have always had a good relationship, always maintained a very good Mm. relationship. So when she gets to the apostolic faith mission in Aswit, um, the first person she meets, and this is just such the perfect name, is Selma Friend. Isn't that a good name? <laughs> Selma Friend. I'll be your friend. I'm Selma Friend. And Selma really takes to Lillian. And, you know, uh, Pastor uh, Brelsford and his wife are still a little bit, what do I want to say, suspicious or just a little bit distrusting, not quite sure of Lillian, right? The six foot ball of energy that's so excited to be in Egypt. They're just kind of like, uh, you'll adjust. But Selma just loves her immediately and she begins to teach the language to Jenny and to Lillian. And Lillian loves the Egyptian language. She loves it. She loves like everything Egypt. You know, she just loves everything Egypt. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Aswet is located on the Nile River. And it's not only the place where um, the greatest Christian population is, but it's also one of the greenest places. And that was something that she took and she just thought Aswet was beautiful because it was so green. Lots of farms. Um, The farmers are all located on the Nile and um, the hills are behind it. So it's kind of just encapsulated. And she absolutely loved it. And I'm going to stop there because it's at this point that the adventure begins. If If you haven't felt the adventure so far, you're about to feel the adventure and the call that God has on Lillian Trasher. And it all comes back to, I'm your girl. If I can ever do anything for you, 
just ask. Doesn't that just make you wonder how many times we pull back because yes. we're timid or afraid, yes. but the Lord has something so amazing. And if we would just say that. Right. I'm your girl. I'm your girl. And I, you know, this thing, I'll do whatever you, okay. like God asking Lily, will you do this? You know, like we're always asking God, do this for us. And Lily is like, if I can ever do anything for you. Yeah, just let me know. <laughs> just let me know. I'll you know where to find me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. So I, I love this. So I'm really excited. She's amazing. I'm so glad yes. you brought her to I, us. No. We need to know. We do. These kinds of faith journeys. We do. It, it builds. It's going to get bigger. Strength, especially because there's the opposition was there. Right. And it didn't derail her. Right. But it's going to get bigger. Okay. So. Can't wait. Looking forward big. to it. So until next week, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with my friend. Robin Jones Gunn. You'll be listening to us next week. Can't wait. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and our new co-host, Robin Gunn. For more information about Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information about Robin, visit RobinGunn.com, that's gun with two N's, or follow her on Instagram and Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Gunn.